Welcome along. It's the Herald Express Devon Live Talking United Yellow Army podcast. A little bit late in the day today. The uh, the the wheels of the uh, mighty machine of news gathering have been busy today. So apologies if this is coming to you. A little You've been bit locked later in a couple normal. of inquests, haven't you? I down have in indeed. The town and uh, and you know what it's like once you get down in the town. Getting, getting out of it. Getting is back entirely, out of it. Is this entirely another matter? From this end of town, it's surprisingly easy to get down to the harbour side and surprisingly difficult to get back up again. <laughs> but, uh, but there you go. So well done. Thank you. Wherever you're listening to us, I gather that Hayden is listening while uh, immersed in a hedge somewhere. He tells me. Uh, I didn't, hadn't realised that he'd added topiary to his CV, but um, but wherever you're listening, welcome along. Um, interesting week at Playmore. Well, interesting week off the pitch at Playmore. Yeah, uh, yeah off it and on it, um, as usual. Uh, never a dull moment. Never a dull. Much to discuss there. and never Absolutely. a dull moment. Um, yeah, um, uh, this is the week in which uh, the details of the club's latest balance sheet, which frustratingly, as always. Uh, refers to the the yeah. year before, i.e., the sixteen yeah. seventeen season, rather than the, the season that just finished, um, which we'll touch on in a second, and um, also uh, what the club likes to call a restructuring. <laughs> Whenever in business you hear yeah. about restructuring, you always it usually means that somebody's. Uh, um, either fallen on their sword or, or, yeah. or gone, but you, it doesn't you start to clear to, your desk. Yes, you? exactly. But, uh, but it doesn't yeah. appear that that's the case. Um, interestingly, uh, um, I think you and I are always suspicious when clubs call people head coach as opposed to manager. Uh, I can Gary, never really understand. No, it. no. exactly. I, I think this was because obviously Gary Hours was appointed um, about a year ago, just under a year ago. Uh, and United, of course, already had a general manager and mm-hmm. still do in Jeff Harrop. So to have a general manager and a manager, uh, um, but are, are we playing with words here? Um, everybody's well, known that Gary Owls is effectively the manager and he's now called the manager the officially. Boss. Yes, Every, exactly. In typical lazy newspaper shorthand, we always refer to him as Talking United boss anyway. Well, or I, from, I yes, after, yeah. I usually try and refer to him as head coach to start with and yeah. then searching for another phrase you call him boss after that. But no, so he, he is now uh, not only a manager, yeah. in quotes, but also... Um, the head of the the complete football operation, senior and junior, mm-hmm. uh, at Plainmore, and of course, uh, as his number two, it's now been confirmed that Sean Taylor is yeah. uh, is is his new assistant. That wasn't unexpected. We've been predicting it for some time, and he's been um, de facto assistant anyway, ever, for a bit, more or less he? since yeah. Martin Cool yeah. uh, left suddenly just before the start of the season. Um, he, I understand, he will also consi- uh, continue in his role as head of academy coaching. So he, right. he basically yeah. runs all the age group coaches in United's fledgling academy. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, uh, Dave Hedges, the head of recruitment, um, uh, also uh, based up in the Avon area, uh, will is now is is the new head of youth. Okay. And, and United are actually currently seeking an assistant for him as well. So um, uh, there's quite a little bit of um, chairs moving and, and that sort of stuff. How, how significant it will all be, mm. um, w- it remains to be seen. I, I think there's a couple of elements of it that are, that are intriguing, shall we put it like that, uh, um, and partly because Dave Hedges has been moved to head of youth um, and of course, United are trying to revive their youth scheme, yeah. which Clark Osborne, the chairman, had uh, uh, placed in the charge of Jeff Harrop, the, the, the general manager, because he's very well uh, uh, qualified for this. 
he is a former United's head of youth. He's done the similar jobs at yeah. Northampton and Colchester and Yeovil Town before he returned to play more to be general manager. So uh, I, I think we'll have to sort of have a little bit of a look over the next few weeks and months and see how all the division of labour uh, yeah. uh, turns out. But I, I think w one of the sort of happiest things of, uh, of this has been the confirmation that Sean Taylor is number two. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he did the job, of course, under Martin Ling in 2011-12. Mm. Uh, halfway through the 12-13 season, uh, when Martin Ling fell ill, uh, um, Sean Taylor then took on the caretaker job for a little while. Yeah. Um, he he is your ultimate straight batter. Yeah. Uh, and I had forgotten that, of course, Gary Hours and Sean Taylor played together in the Bristol City side in the uh, late 1980s. Oh, yes, of course. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know what a good player he was. Uh, um, I say that through clenched uh, teeth <laughs> yeah. because uh, came uh, up against uh, him a few times with didn't Exeter yeah. City yeah. and, and uh, very seldom came off better, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but uh, no, so he, he, he's he's moved. Out. He is he is a, a um, he's a man of few words, really. Uh, uh, Sean Taylor to to the to the ordinary man in the street, he keeps his counsel to himself most of the time. But he's a thoroughly experienced and and very well organised yeah. bloke good man to have on the team absolutely yeah. um, uh, you don't pull the wool over Sean Taylor's no. eyes about almost anything in life and um, uh, uh, he, he's uh, enthusiastic um, uh, as Gary Owls was saying in his press conference today utterly trustworthy yeah um, and probably you know, going to get stuck in as well isn't oh, he he's not the kind yeah. of bloke to take a back seat on something no, like this no so. He's somebody that the players can go to, um, uh, you know, and if you want to paint them, it's not quite good cop, bad cop. It isn't. Uh, mm. Cop, it isn't. But um, but there's an element of that. In other yeah. words, Sean Taylor is a hugely popular guy, trusted by the players and trusted by everybody who's ever met the guy. Um, and I think that's a pretty good little combination yeah. uh, he can put on decent sessions although I understand that Gary Hour still plans to do more than his fair share in that respect so um, no I, th I think it's a good it's a good combination of people um, Martin Cool was much more sort of outgoing and um, what's the right word ebullient and you always knew he was around yeah. um, uh, we can and, hear and, him from the road outside. Yeah, that's on right. Yeah, and yeah. Sean is a quieter uh, yeah. uh, person. But um, as uh, as ours was saying this week, uh, when he has something to say, um, yeah. he says it, and people tend to listen. You know, so um, no, you know, good fingers crossed for for both of them. Good stuff. Um, one thing, quick digression. One thing I forgot to mention right at the start: Yorkshire Girl sent us a message on Twitter. Enjoyed oh, the longer podcast. Well, he's a, we're he's always a fan a bit, of the longer podcast. We're always a little, you and I are always a little bit worried when we babble on a bit, aren't yeah. we? And thinking, oh goodness, are we sending everybody to sleep? And thankfully, on the contrary, well, one could, or two people seem to enjoy. I don't know what they else they've got to do in their lives. I think maybe but, uh, we helped him drift off on a, a, a long <laughs> hot evening or something. But thank yeah. you very much for the update. Yeah, um, the balance sheet as well off the field. What did yeah. that tell us? Um, well, football club balance sheets are. are you need to be an accountant really to to interpret them accurately, um, and uh, it's basically a story of the sums not adding up as usual, yeah. uh, more losses incurred. 
Um, I'm sure Clark Osborne and Riviera Stadium Limited have been putting more money in and that's fairly evident. Um, this latest balance sheet covered the 16-17 season which of course was yeah. split by the handover from Dave Phillips's supporter regime to um, Riviera Stadium and Clark Osborne halfway through that season in just after Christmas of that season. Um, so we're we're kind of it's a look back job. Does, does it reveal how close to the brink we were at that point? Or no, it doesn't. No? Um, uh, but um, it's it, uh, in my newspaper report of it. I, I mentioned that it appeared that um, uh, quite a lot of um, loans had been written off uh, as part of the balancing of the yeah. books of that of that year. Um, I think those loans may well have referred actually now to. Um, the Phillips, um, yeah. uh, because obviously they basically had to hand the club over to Clark Osborne because they couldn't repay the £120,000 loan yeah. that Osborne had made um, uh, to United and then he assumed ownership of the club and that was that. But um, So I think previous money that had been put in by the old board um, uh, accounts for um, uh, quite a lot of the loans written off as opposed to money that necessarily would have been put yeah. in by Riviera into the, uh, Riviera Stadium Limited but it doesn't change the fact that during the course of that season and no doubt during the course of the last year um, uh, uh, Osborne and Riviera St Stadium Limited have been pumping in a, a fair bit of money. Yeah. Uh, on the whole most of the running costs have been kept <coughs> similar yeah. Um, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, you know that there, there aren't huge discrepancies in either income, total mm -hmm. income turnover, although that did fall under a million pound yeah. uh, in that 2016-17 season. But that's not a surprise. There's no trickle down money from football league no. or parachute payments or anything like that. Uh, United have to generate ev more or less every penny themselves, apart from a, a few uh, um, a, a much less significant amounts from the National League. Um, and of course the other thing is that once again they were kicked out of <clears throat> every, every most, yeah. most cup competitions. No, no uh, cup runs. Exactly, so uh, to, to boost the figures. Does it shine any light on players' wages? Is that, is that a significant part um, of the bill? No, that, that's um, never broken down unfortunately. No. Uh, it's similar. Um, yeah. It's similar to the previous year. Uh, I'd love to have a look. I'd love to have a look. I mean, the, the, the figures must they, they won't be ready yet because they won't have been audited. But of much more interest to United fans really will be how it went last year over the, yeah. the course of last yeah. season. Um, but we're not privy to that information we'll yet, for um, and we probably have to wait another year for that, which which is always a bit frustrating. But um, no, um, it, it's uh, I'm sure Clark Osborne would look. Let's face it, he he's putting his money in. Okay, I'm sure he wants to turn the football club around, or would like to. And he's get paying, he's paying the bills, isn't he? he? Uh, that's yeah. right. He's paying the bills that the club can't afford to pay. But of course, this is all part of a wider picture of investment in yeah. uh, where eventually he wants to take the club physically. Uh, and I'm sure he looks on it like that. You know, he he isn't just investing money in Talk United FC. He's investing money in um, yeah the bigger picture. Uh, uh, and um, you know that's what he's here for yeah. in the long term. Uh, he, he's made that very clear. That, you know that, that's not coming from us. That's his own words. And mm. and um, so um, you know, good luck to him in that if he wants to to go that way. I know there's a lot of um, mixed feelings about all of that, and uh, none of us really want to leave Plainmore. But uh, the fact of the matter is that. Most clubs that do end up leaving their old grounds and go to new yeah. stadiums tend to 
prosper as opposed to go under. But yeah. uh, there are many, many issues which you and I have talked about and, and many of the supporters have talked about, about where that goes, who owns what in that future, etc., etc., etc. And much more to be said about that in the months to come and as it well. Will, absolutely. Okay, on to the field then. Now, we should point out here and now that you, you're, you're podcasting through the pain barrier, David, because you didn't go to Slough, did you? Because um, you were poorly. I, 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 I was a bit under the weather, I must say. Um, Which is uh, most uh, unlike you. It is. I don't, I don't tend to go, go under very often. Um, but I knew when I got up first thing Saturday morning that I wouldn't be able to stay upright for the rest <laughs> of the day. So um, I've had Saturdays like that. I, can, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I never even went to the pub on Friday night either. So, um, no. So I didn't go to Slough. No. So our discussions um, of the Slough game come from a slightly different perspective yeah usual, and, and, and having said that by the sound of it I don't think I missed an awful no. lot um, when United or any team gets a point away from home whether it's at Slough or Bradford yeah. City uh, you, you you tend to be oh well all right you know but uh, uh, it was interesting that Gary Hours and he was saying this week in his press conference that he may have to consider taking five minutes quietly on his own before he comes out. I, I hope he doesn't personally because his <laughs> after-match quotes are usually pretty to the point. Yeah. Um, and he duly came out after the game on Saturday when um, you know United had got a nil-nil draw, yet another clean sheet, yeah. um, uh, and made it very clear that he was hugely disappointed, as United's travelling supporters were, mm. uh, in their attacking performance. And of course... As things stand, uh, United have had four out of five clean sheets and things are looking reasonably solid at yeah. the back, although it did take an Alex Bass penalty yeah. 80 in the yeah, 85th good for him. Minute on, on his debut as well. On his, his debut. debut for the club as well. Penalty uh, save. Yeah. Um, well played, that man. Yes, absolutely. And, and let's hope he carries on like Brendan Moore did a couple of years ago. They he, couldn't uh, get one past him, no, did they? he had a tremendous run of penalty saves, didn't he? But, uh, well, A, let's hope United don't concede any, and B, if they, if they do, he does it. And a word for Sean McDonald, who, who was left out on Saturday. He's mm. done really, he had done really well in the first four yeah. games of the season. I think we all knew that with Bass fit again, um, uh, I think everybody was slightly intrigued to see who Gary Hours yeah. would go for, but it rather proved that in his own mind, Bass is, is his number one keeper. He put him in, and uh, and Bass came up with the penalty save. So see, um, there, there are two ways of looking at this start to the season. I was saying to my mate Bob last night, two ways of looking at the start to the season. In facts and figures terms, played five, won two, drawn two, lost one, four clean sheets. We'd have taken that, wouldn't we? At the start of the season, we did. If having gone out every Saturday yeah. last season for a punch in the face, yeah, we'd have been quite happy with that I think so uh, I, I, having said that we are talking about National League South exactly that, that's, that's, that's <coughs> the other side of the same coin that I was going to come to you know if you actually look behind it though it's National League South yeah and we still aren't scoring goals. No, and 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 that was what Gary Hours was touching on afterwards. He yeah. he made absolutely no attempt to hide his frustration and his disappointment. Um, uh, and you can dress these things up in you know tactical changes, etc., etc., etc. The fact is, he did take Ben Winter the right back off in the thirty seventh minute. You don't often do that. No. Um, he's been stressing since that this was a tactical change, uh, and that um, you know he wanted to change the formation of the team from a 3-5-2 which he's been using yeah. more or less since he arrived and appears to be to favor in view of the fact that you've got George Essiman 
Jean-Yves Coeniate and Carl Cameron as your first choice yeah. back three. Uh, and he switched it to a four and went 4-3-3. Three, three. Uh, United still didn't score. Um, uh, and But it was a kind of a... You know, you're reading between the the, the lines of the quotes, aren't you? As to yeah. uh, he made it very clear. He said some players have got to do a lot better. Uh, we have to improve very, very quickly as an attacking force. Yeah. These are all his quotes, you know. And um, it's so. This is your manager saying this at a time when United are what are they seventh in the table? Yeah. Um, five points behind the leaders at this particular stage. And and two games coming up, four of the next six at home, yeah. which which ours is very keen to point out. And and uh, he he's really set up this little run by saying that he effectively wants United to be closing on the leaders with this run of home games. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know we'll see whether he can do it. I suppose that, that, that there's two ways of looking at this. One is that with this three-five-two formation, as you and I and most United fans know with great fondness. Uh, having seen a hell of a good team with a formation like that not yeah. long ago, uh, the key to that formation is the wing backs. Mm-hmm. If the wing backs do their job uh, and get forward with the accent on wing rather than back, then you still have uh, an exciting and attacking uh, um, system. Yeah. If they sit or don't get forward and it ends up becoming 5 3 2. Or if they get forward and lose and, possessions and then don't very get, cheaply and, and don't yeah. get back, well, yeah. you know that's all. I'm, obviously, we, we'll touch. We'll go straight to the point. Gurney and Gibbs, yeah, nineteen ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Gurney on the right, Gibbs on the left. Uh, I mean, they used to end up beyond the strikers. I can remember the first time that season we we played Macclesfield away. We lost two-one. Funnily enough, it was Macclesfield's very first time in the football league that afternoon at the Moss Rose. And I can remember looking down and seeing Andy Gurney regularly finishing beyond United strikers. <laughs> he did score that afternoon yeah. as well. And, I, and it was the first time I'd really seen that formation for quite a while, even though, of course, Cyril Knowles had played it in a much more conservative way with McNichol and Tom Kelly as, yeah. as, as the wing-backs. And, of course, United didn't score nearly as many goals in that s- s- setup, but it, it was still McNichol still chipped in with, well, did, with a yeah, fair share, and Tom but, Kelly was always pe- capable of delivering a good cross. But Gurney and Gibbs, is, oh, is they the, were the, the wingbacks that everybody remembers, correct? And they were made for the for the job. Massively popular, yeah, great player. And 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 uh, they had that. It's 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 not just about having the legs to get up and back all the time. Uh, and uh, personally speaking, if I was playing right wing back to John Gittins, I would t- I would do exactly what John Gittins told me <laughs> yeah. for, for yeah. fear of being punched into the middle of next week. No, that's no, why they that's got back so Exactly, yeah. that, that, that's yeah. being a bit unfair to John. But but basically, you had Gittins, Watson, and Jamie Robinson at the back, and all of them were capable of dictating to what they, yeah. the, the way their fullbacks were playing. But it's also a mental thing. You have to be mentally up for spending ninety minutes. Going up and back, up and back, up mm. and back, up and back, down at that wing. You have to be superbly fit. It helps if you're quick. And of course, both Gurney, uh, definitely Andy Gurney was quick. Gibbs was not quite as quick. But um, uh, and the system really revolves around those two. And they have to be able to go forward in the confidence that the lads at the back are going to take care of things while they're while they're up there yeah. and, and in the millisecond before they can get back they can get back again um, 
And it's interesting that, that in that team that, that, that uh, Kevin Hodges had in 97-98, not one of the central midfield players, several people of the current team have said, oh, United have got no pace in midfield. You know, well, okay, they might not be all that quick in midfield, but was Gary Clayton, Chris Ledbetter and Steve McCall quick in midfield in that? Not, not lightning fast, <laughs> no, They weren't, say. they no. weren't. They were all 30-plus players, yeah. in, in Steve McCall's case, getting on for 40. They were hell of a good footballers and they were good players, but they, they weren't box-to-box midfield players. Yeah. Of course, you do have to factor in that up front, United had one Rodney Jack uh, and for Three or three months that season, Jason Roberts. Now they're they're two fairly serious I imagine we'll come to Rodney Jack in a minute, and yeah. we'll touch yeah. on that in a minute. But um, so, <clears throat> just in the current situation, yeah. so there's the wing back factor that has to work. Yeah. The wing backs have to get forward. I think so far, uh, um, Liam Davis, who let's face it was a left midfielder for most of his early career, yeah. looks perfectly fine. You know, with that. I think, you know, we've all seen glimpses of Winter being able to do it. Yeah. Uh, and he is well capable of, of playing that role. And I think it's a combination of mentally getting the shackles off and saying, I'm going to give my opposing fullback stroke left midfielder yeah. a, an awful lot to think about this afternoon. If they're prepared to let me keep going, um, I, I'm, I'm not going to disappoint them. Uh, and See, then, of course, the other part of all this is the strikers. Yeah. But I mean, it's a peculiar feeling at the moment, isn't it? As results go, and compared to what we've endured for the last few seasons, we're on a bit of a roll at the moment, results and points-wise. Yeah, the performance is just. I wouldn't put it quite as strong as that, but but the exactly, we're getting we're getting results, kind of. And let's face it, they've got Hampton and Richmond on Saturday, Gloucester away on on uh, at Evesham on Monday afternoon. If you come out of there with hopefully six points. Four definitely. Yeah, you know you're going to be up there, aren't you? Yeah. And and United are are looking difficult to break down and difficult to score against. I still think that you have to factor in that this is a completely new squad, bar yeah. about four or five players. We're five games in, and it's still bedding down and developing. Yeah, uh, and of course. Because United have been relegated to this level, everybody's expectations is naturally lifted. Yeah. You know, United have got to be winning this division. That's what Clark Osborne says. That's what Gary Hour says. We've got to be either winning the title or winning promotion. And we, and we need and, to start knocking some goals in before Bill and Ricky disappear over the horizon. Well, we? th- there you go. So this goal-scoring thing does have to be dealt yeah, with. It does. It, it does. There's no point we can beat around a bush and say how great everybody else is. Sooner or later, United have got to start sticking the ball in the back of the net. And, yeah. and, and they either do it with the players who are already here, and we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute, or Gary Owls has got to go out and yeah. find, find somebody else who will. Uh, and I suppose the question is, when do we get to that point when Gary Owls goes, sorry, I need somebody else. At the moment, he's sticking very loyally, and he was repeating it again this week in his press conference. <clears throat> I've got, compl- I've, I have faith in these players. I'm backing them to do the job, and we're working on the training ground to make it happen. Two two games. It's the bank holiday weekend. They have to click in one or both of these two games, and hopefully the home game. Yeah, uh, they they have to send everybody away. Look, the two home games so far have been Bath City and and East Thurrock United. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bath City uh, struggled to to beat them. Bath will look really useful, and hey, Presto! After two opening defeats, they've now won their last three. 
and I don't think anybody who saw Bath that night are the least surprised but they didn't score against United no. and uh, Liam Davis's goal beat them the East Thurrock game a few days later on the Saturday <coughs> United again struggled to break East Thurrock down who haven't a point yet uh, and a monumental muck up in the East Thurrock defence <laughs> presented Rory Keating yeah. who had put them under pressure and persistence paid off uh, with the first goal and he headed a good second 2-0 um, and those t to date are the three goals that United have scored. They lost 1-0 at Oxford City and then drew 0-0 at Slough, um, having also drawn 0-0 at Charlton on the opening day of the season. So uh, uh, nobody's pretending that it's disastrous or, or, or mm. even remotely that. Of course it isn't. It's a good, solid start. But it's just, I think, when people were looking for a bit better at Oxford and Slough, they, yeah. didn't, get, they didn't get it. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, but let's... let's get through August yeah. uh, by the end of this weekend seven games gone first month out of the way let's see where uh, we are and, and let's see yeah. where we are in terms of, of those goals scored and how they're shaping up yeah, front indeed so at the risk of sounding like a broken record we decided not to just bang on about where the strikers are coming from for this current team we thought we'd, uh, we thought we'd go down memory well, lane a little bit if, didn't we if Gary Hours is looking yeah for a, 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 a proper centre forward these, well, we thought we'd look back at some of the, the centre-forwards. Sort of and put together a composite. Yeah. A composite, a sort of photo-fit, yeah, but... soccer-fit centre-forward based on some of our heroes of, uh, of, of, of years gone by. Yeah, bear with us. This seemed like a good idea when we thought of it earlier in the week. So um, here we go. Well, we sort of broke down the attributes of a striker as well into, in no particular order, into heading, shooting, bravery, pace, anticipation... And that's the je ne sais quoi, the leadership, the terrace hero, personality. the uh, personality, personality to lead the line. Absolutely, why not? And we came up with a couple of wild cards who don't fit any of those things as well. Um, but let's, in no particular order, then, head, as far as heading goes, the. Well, um, uh, there have been plenty of decent, you know, United have been mainly a lower division football team, and in lower division football, you tend to have, need to head the ball, don't yeah. you? Um, uh, I, I'm very sorry that I only caught a couple of glimpses of Tommy Northcott playing in, yeah. in the 1960s. I, I understand he was bloody good in the air. I, none of us, of course, can speak for anybody before then. No, uh, and no, I'm sure older, older supporters they are. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Jack Conley was your man, and all that. Because I'm sorry, I never saw Jack <laughs> Conley play. <coughs> um, uh, but uh, and and not much of the late great Tommy Northcott either. No. And I'm sad about that. Uh, but in the air. I think um, the, the first two strikers that I saw playing for United were Jim Fryatt, yeah, who linked up hugely effectively for a sadly short while with, with, with um, Robin Stubbs. Um, and then, of course, Steve Cooper. Um, yeah. uh, I don't know, you, you, our eyes will start watering in a minute <laughs> at the memories of, uh, of Steve Cooper, who, of course, also <laughs> immediately fills another He crops quality. up in, in at least one more of these, yeah, um, that's right. these categories. Oh, Tim Sills was a great header. Well, now we're moving on a little bit. Tim Sills. In between that, don't forget, uh, um, a player who I uh, w was so sad that he came to United for a comparatively short period of time. He looked absolutely nailed on while he was here, and that was Paul Baker. Um, yeah, during the mid 1990s, yeah. um, uh, uh, from uh, uh, Geordie, yeah. uh, uh, a terrific player in the air, and very briefly, Paul Baker and Rodney Jack got together 
uh, at the start of the 95-96 season, I yeah. think it was, under Eddie May. And if those two weren't made for each other, I don't know, I don't know what was. Um, and unfortunately, it never happened. Paul Baker eventually went back to the North East, yeah. um, uh, although he did enjoy his time here. I'd, um, I'd forgotten he, him, I'll be honest. He was a hell yeah. of a good yeah. player in the air, very, very strong. Do I remember Dave Tierce being a good header of the ball as well? Yeah. See, this is going back into... Yeah, it, the mid-70s. My memories get a bit vague yeah, back got, that you know, far, got him from Leicester City. Yeah. Um, he, he sadly was affected by injuries during mm. towards the end of his time here. Very brave, Yeah. Um, uh, but no decent in the air. One or two people will mention Les Lawrence as well. Yeah. Uh, Les, although he was six foot three and... and looked seven foot because of his huge afro hairstyle <laughs> yeah um uh, I, I wouldn't put him in the same bracket as cooper his partner uh, in the air um but uh, les coming onto the ball could head it yeah um cooper could head it from almost every every, <laughs> every <laughs> angle all six of these categories are going to end up with the name cooper next to them you realize well, that there you go but of course <laughs> in more recent memory tim sills yeah. nailed on absolutely uh, and that diagonal ball from um, uh, Kevin Nicholson to Tim Sills was such a feature of those yeah. early teams yeah. under Paul Buckle and uh, couldn't he head it? He could indeed. Moving on then to shooting, the uh, the, the skill of you know that sort of that half chance when the ball drops to you in the penalty area, lashing the ball in, guiding the ball in. But you know the, the players that could really shoot, who have you got down for a centre forward with a, a shot on him? Um, well, I love Willie Brown. Yeah. In 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 the seventies. Uh, the, the ultimate goal poacher, um, but a, a good all-round player as well. He got quite a lot of goals as well, didn't he? Oh, telling me, he, yeah. uh, he was a 20-goal-a-season man yeah. on a regular basis. Uh, um, Scotsman, um, full of know-how and tricks, yeah. but you show him the, the whites of the, po of the woodwork and um, he was onto it. And of course, before him, Robin Stubbs must come to yeah. mind, who had yeah. a who had a, a howitzer in, in, in both feet when he was in the mood. Um, no, if John Rudge was a good finisher as well, wasn't he? He was, he was. Uh, he, he, he was another good player in the air, of course. He was yeah. a, a great header of the ball. Um, but in terms of shooting, for me, Stubbs would be, would yeah. be up, up there. And, and Willie Brown, just for his sheer consistency. Um, people, somebody mentioned, you know, Paul Dobson. Well, Paul Dobson used to get plenty of goals, but it wasn't through his <laughs> one shot. Everybody remembers, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, true. But but he 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 wasn't he wasn't renowned for his shooting, no. put it like that. He used to get in where it counted, but um, yes, yeah. Now we both see this. I can see where this is going. We both have only one name written down next to the bravery category. Well. Um, uh, Tim Sills would put his head in. Yeah, but we both got uh, Cooper in there. Well, we? and, and I don't think many United fans who saw him play mm. uh, will ever, will argue with Cooper being absolutely top of the bravery stakes. And th and this is the kind of player, the the thing that we love to see that we don't see often enough. enough of. Although we've seen Rory Keating do it once or twice, yep. getting across in front of the fullback Abs at the near post. Yes, getting your head in. Um, and never mind the consequences. Cooper only ever saw the ball, yeah, and and uh, uh, went for it in an almost. I mean, we've all can think back to those days where we would almost close our eyes and wince <laughs> when he got it when when he went for something which you knew he was second for. Yeah, I remember a game at Darlington one afternoon uh, uh, when uh, Steve Cooper, uh, uh, Darlington defender called John Stone, big massive centre half, went yeah. to clear the ball at the near post. 
and Steve, and I mean, he was there to clear the ball, and he, yeah. he pulled his right boot back to lash it up the field, and out of the corner of your, of, of your eye, you saw Steve Cooper horizontally diving to try and get on the end of the cross. And I remember uh, uh, um, Stone's boot, uh, the ball disappeared up the fish and the, the boot smashed into Cooper's head. Yeah. And, uh, you know, who lay there, you know, for a few seconds, a second or two before stirring himself and getting up. Uh, it, we we, we travelled back, I remember, with an enormous egg on the side of Steve's head. Um, and I spoke to John Stowe, uh, uh, afterwards briefly because I'd met him a couple of times at other matches. And I said, uh, he said, oh, how's, how's, how's Steve, your man? And I said, well, he's, he's, he looks like he nearly always does after, after, after 90 minutes on a Saturday afternoon. And he turned to me and he said, he is the bravest player I've ever played, uh, played against in my life. Yeah. He has no business going for, 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 some, for that sort of stuff. Uh, but that was Steve. He 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 couldn't not go for it. There was something deep inside him yeah. that that made putting his head usually on the end of things just the reason why he was out there. I did look up on uh, on Wikipedia uh, for the Torquay's top goal scorers just while we were doing this, just to see how recent they are. And I think Coops is actually the most recent goal scorer in the top ten. You know, we really? haven't. No. You know, we haven't. Produced, oh, in, in total goal scored. Yeah, total yeah. goal scored. We haven't produced a prolific goal score, or, or there's not one that's been at the club. No, as no. long. And of course, Steve himself wasn't actually prolific. I don't think he ever scored 25 goals in a season. He got 20, um, but of course, he made so many goals for other people, yeah. mainly through the mayhem that they often <laughs> caused in the opposition penalty area, and you had to factor all those in as well. Dave Caldwell, of course, was another. Um, well, he's top of my personality. Uh, we'll come uh, to him. We'll in come a minute, to him yeah. in a minute. We'll yeah. hand the bravery award to Coops and yeah. move on. Uh, pace, the, the pace. Well, this we mentioned this man before, haven't we? Yeah, Rodney Jack. I mean, there's one player uh, in our era, in the modern era, who who there's pace and there's extra pace, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. Uh, and Rodney Jack had this ability to be run, ability to be running very fast indeed and somehow find another yeah. gear. I, I always remember the first leg of the playoff semi-final against Scarborough at Scarborough. Yeah. Um, United won that 3-1. He scored twice. Uh, and United kept with this, the old 3-5-2 formation kept hitting Scarborough on the break. And I remember Jason Rocket, the, the Scarborough yeah. defender who, who um, featured in the home game as well, um, running alongside Rodney Jack as Rodney Jack was trying to, with the ball at his feet. Rocket was very quick for a, def for a defender. With a name like that, he'd have to be, wouldn't he? Jason Rocket, yeah. He was a great big, tall, long, lanky leg leg. Yeah. And he was running. He had got a five-yard start on, on uh, Rodney Jack. And they were both heading off. He hadn't got a challenge in yet, running down the kind of like side of the pitch. And I could, you could tell that Rocket was thinking, "It's all right. I've, I've got this under control." Yeah. And in in the space of one gear change, there was five yards gap one side, and ten yards later, there appeared to be a five yard gap the other side, and, and Jack was gone. He was brilliant. And wasn't and, he? and always remember watching. You know when a racehorse is, you know, trying to quicken up, and all of a sudden. It all falls apart and yeah. the action goes. Jason Rocket was running really quite fast one minute and the next he was completely <laughs> floundering and Jack went clear and, and, and scored. It was phenomenal. It was the ability 
not just to go to be running fast, but the change of pace yeah. is what leaves defenders. And he could score a goal as well. Then do I remember oh. us taking Fulham to pieces one day at Playmore yep. and Roddy Jack scoring a couple? Yes, he did. Uh, United won two one, I think, in that game. Uh, but one, it was a really exciting match. Yeah. And, and, and but I, th- I have a funny feeling that was the Baker Jack combination up front. That might well have been, been in that first season yeah. under under uh, Kevin Hodges. <coughs> no, he he was extra quick. Um, Alan Welsh, yeah. back in the and Mickey Cave back in the nineteen sixties and early seventies. Very quick indeed. Um, uh, Paul Dobson was quick yeah. um, uh, in, the, in the late 80s under Cyril Knowles. Uh, and game as they come uh, um, would, would, would chase whatever you put in front of him. Yeah. And his pace got him into a lot of goal scoring positions. And you're talking about somebody who scored 42 goals in two seasons mm. for United. And, and um, uh, that was a lot of it through willingness and, and pace. And in, in a team that was struggling then, I mean, a team Absolutely. that wasn't, you know, they were far from... No, the first the first yeah. year struggling big time, and second yeah. year, obviously, they nearly went up. But yeah. um, uh, no, he scored, was it 25 one season, 17 yeah. the next, yeah. We went for anticipation, that, um, that that gift of being able to be on the end of something that drops into the box. And I, Just, I went... The well, know-how, the, the know-how. The, 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 that's right. Um, I went for two strikers who played together, um, Graham and Gritton. Well, that's David a good, Graham, I've written David Graham down as well. Because um, there was a period was, at the beginning of that season when we looked at those two and Martin Gritton was as good and on occasion better than David Graham. Yeah. It, it didn't quite pan out that way. No, but at the start it, it, of that season, they were great together, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, the G-men, that's yeah. right. And, and Gritton was, was a different type of player to Graham. Of course, how we ever got David Graham, I do not no. know. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a player who'd been playing in Europe for Rangers when he was 17, 18 years old. Colin Lee got him down from... Dunfermline, yeah, um, and he he was decent uh, when he was in the mood for a couple of seasons, and then it was it really flowered, didn't it? In yeah. in the second season under Leroy Rossini, when I think David finally looked around and saw how many good players there were at the club and thought this could be good fun, and yeah. and, and uh, you know moved into top gear. And he um, scored a lovely goal as well, didn't he? Every oh, every goal he scored was a picture goal, wasn't well, it? Well, he didn't score many bad ones, did he? But he he had this ability to drop off a central defender, you could play it into feet. If the central defender hadn't gone all the way with him, whoops, he's turning and running at people. He could pass the ball, he had you know, tremendous awareness. Uh, and he was he was a hell of a good goal scorer. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have him tops for the bravery thing, but he wasn't that type of player really. And both with Gritton and later with Joe Cafour, who of yeah. course provided the extra pace um, alongside him and the passing of Russell Fowler and all yeah. the rest, um, you know, it was it was uh, it was, you know, happy days, wasn't it? But yeah. uh, no, he he's very good. I also, how about Rene Howe? Yeah, yeah, uh, a very very clever uh, uh, centre forward, built like a brick out brick outhouse, more than happy to hold off two central defenders, let alone one. Yeah. Uh, when the ball went up to him, chest, feet, you name it. It stuck, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then if you had runners from midfield or out wide, which United did have in that season um, uh, under Martin Ling, uh, Lee Mansell heading from box to box, Unan O'Kane, uh, uh, Joe Osler and, yeah. and uh, Danny Stevens and everybody else joining in, it was he was hugely effective. He chipped in with, what, 16 goals himself. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what a target, man. What a great target. Man. Not Again, not the bravest in the air, but if you, as long as you didn't belt it up in the air, which most of the time United yeah. didn't 
great, great receiving the ball. Very, very clever. What a dream he must have been to play with. Clever player too. Do you remember the slowest substitution that ever there was? Go on. When we were trying to run the clock down one day in that season, towards the end of the season, and they were readying the substitutes board, and Rennie Howard obviously got wind of the fact that he was going off, so he made his way right over to the pop side... To have a chat with one or two of his friends over there. Friends over there yeah. Just before the board went up, so he had the maximum distance, distance. to stroll <laughs> yes. back across. He, he, he was—he always had his brain in gear, did Rene? Run the clock, yeah, absolutely. Rene. And uh, Willie Brown was a clever player yeah. as a target man. Very, very clever. Good movement. Great first touch. Good know-how, experienced, head screwed on yeah. centre forwards. John Rudge, we've already touched on. Much, much better player than many people gave him credit for. But in more recent years, Rene yeah. Howe, David yeah. Graham, for, for me, would be the two. Okay, and the final category is the in, the indefinable one, the leadership, the terrace hero, the um, personality, the personality that the fans just well, Robin, pay their money Robin Stubbs had a, had a, had a had that in yeah. spades, didn't he? Uh, um, good looking bloke. Um, uh, he was exactly right for the time, wasn't he? Swinging but, yeah, 60s. Yeah, the sort of mid to late 60s. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, God was in his heaven. The country was heading in the right direction. Swinging 60s. Most people fairly happy. And Robin was the and right... Robin climbed out of his MGB on Torquay Seafront yeah, one day. Yeah, and, uh, and said, yeah. this is the place for me. <laughs> uh, and um, he, he was sensational. There's no doubt about yeah. it. He should have been playing far higher stuff. Yeah. Never really wanted to leave once he'd arrived. Um, had everything, absolutely everything. Uh, could shoot, head, run, uh, yeah. uh, you, you name it. Um, and of course, a personality to go with it. Yeah. Um, we, we all, Anthea Redfern, bless her, you know, went on to become famous nationally, uh, not just as Bruce Forsyth's wife, but everything. And yet, when Robin and Anthea got married at Torquay Town Hall, he was the personality that everybody had yeah. turned up to uh, to take was pictures there a, of. Was there a crowd there? That oh, day? yeah, was absolutely. Yeah. Well, he, he yeah. was uh, whatever Robin Dubs did. Robin Stubbs did was news. I, yeah. I can remember uh, um, uh, the Herald Express's back page happily used to, used to lead on. Stubbs groin strain shock, <laughs> you know, and this and, and yeah. it, it was as was he going to be fit for Saturday? That, that, that was that was that was big news in those days. We've mentioned Willie Brown and Les Lawrence, both yeah. of them hugely popular late seventies, absolutely wearing that kit, which I keep returning to. Yeah. We'll play in that again one day. Um, but the man, obviously, well, we've sort of mentioned Dave Caldwell. He, it's you have to remind yourself that Dave Caldwell only really played for United for a year. Yeah. It was a bit more than that. It was about 18 months. Um, he came with, back with again, a move thrown yeah, in. Yeah. That's right, a move to Belgium, I think it was thrown in. Um Lockeren, but, wasn't it? It was Lockeren. So, oh, well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he he Cyril Knowles was sort of turning the club round um, after the great escape with the police dog and Jim McNichol the year before. And United kicked off actually with a very, very serviceable and decent centre forward called Jerry Nardiello up front the yeah. following season. Yeah. Paul Dobson was still there. They were doing okay. They were scoring a few goals. But I think in his mind, uh, um, Cyril Knowles wanted somebody apart from Jerry Nardiello. Yeah. And I can always remember uh, him announcing that he was bringing in this Dave Caldwell from I think he was either Rotherham or, or Mansfield or Chesterfield, one of the one of those clubs there. Uh, There's a and, picture uh, of you in our files as well, walking up the steps at Newton. No, that's, his, that's when he came back. Was that the return? Time. Was yeah, it? that was a return. Yeah. And 
we quickly obviously did our checking on him and discovered that a, he was probably suspended at the time, um, <laughs> and had got the most. Well, if he wasn't, he would be fairly. And soon. had got the most appalling disciplinary record, and basically a whole succession of clubs had shifted him out yeah. because of that. And I always remember Cyril Knowles's quote was, "He'll either be a disaster or the talk of the town." Yeah. And of course, he arrived, Scottish Aberdeen-born centre forward, six foot one. He Mullet. Scored, mullet yeah, yeah. scored with an overhead kick on his debut. I think it was against Hereford. Her- it was Hereford. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nearly did it at Coventry in the Cup. Uh, uh, scored a hat trick um, somewhere. I've forgotten whether that was fairly soon. Uh, got sent off fairly early in his yeah. time at, at Torquay. But when he was on the pitch and in the mood, which was virtually in every game, he used to send such a tingle down your spine. Uh, 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 his commitment was foolish at times. Um, uh, um, he he used to hit first and ask questions <laughs> afterwards. In fairness, uh, he would never stay on the pitch nowadays. What was the story that um, <coughs> you told me a while back about the Scunthorpe playoff game? Well, um, United were going for a promotion throughout that season with Caldwell up front. Um, uh, and with a combination of Mark Loram, Paul Dobson and of course Lee Sharp was in that team as well and in the home game against Scunthorpe in the playoff semi-final um, uh, uh, Caldwell duly put himself around, about um, two of the Scunthorpe defenders ended up in A&E at Torbay <laughs> Hospital with Caldwell himself Yeah, uh, um, and uh, it, it was all pretty heated um, which it nearly always was yeah. when, when Caldwell was involved. Of course, what you forget was, he was a hell of a good player. Yeah. He was well, you a, had to be, didn't he, you, really? You yeah. couldn't just thug your way through. No. You'd be, you'd be, somebody would sort you out, and people, enough people tried. But he was a, such a good footballer when, when, when he was concentrating on that. Uh, anyway, uh, it all kicked off afterwards. The Scunthorpe people were outraged that this bloke had got away with this and that and the other. Um, uh, it, it was quite. A, it was quite the reason why I think United fans were so agog with all this was, was because we finally had a team which was beating other play, other teams up rather than the other way yeah, around. Yeah. You know. Anyway, the second uh, United had won two one in the home game in the first leg of the of the playoff semi finals and had to go to the old showground. Yeah. Uh, the final game ever to be played at Scunthorpe's old showground. Didn't realise that. Yeah. Yeah. Before yeah. they moved to yeah. um, the Glanford Park and. Everybody was, uh, all the letters in those days, of course, and radio stuff, people ringing in saying, you know, this is a hugely important occasion. Is Caldwell going to uh, play and cause even more mayhem? And Cyril Nettles left him on the subs bench for the second leg at at Scunthorpe. United drew one all and went through. And 20 minutes from time, my memory of it might have been slightly less than that, uh, um, he decided that he needed to throw Caldwell on just yeah. to, to, to help to hold them back and Caldwell went on and the entire there was eight and a half nine thousand at the old showground and of course the place the, the, the booing <laughs> and and, the thing. and, and uh, he, he was a he was such a character he was yeah. such a character but he was you know Knowles had said he'll either be a disaster or the talk of the town well he he, he was the talk of the town and and uh, he, 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 his social life was full. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he, he was just a great personality to, to be leading your attack. 
um, and the disciplinary problems, you kind of, I think United fans accepted them as part of the package. You'd be without him every now and then. That's right, and when he was suspended, United yeah. were never quite as, no. a, as effective. And of course, he had that day in the Cup at Coventry where he... Um, he was brilliant all that day, but, wasn't he? All but took them apart. He was. Um, and uh, uh, no, if, if it's personality you're looking for, uh, Caldwell will do, um, Robin Stubbs as well. Uh, and Willie Brown, again, yeah. always played with a, that, that big heavy moustache, huge grin on his face most of the time. Um, uh, loved playing football, loved scoring goals, loved upsetting defenders. Um, <laughs> And yeah. you know everything you want in you know an up and atom centre forward. Absolutely. So that I mean that completes the um, the criteria that we had. The one wild card player that I did write down is a chap who holds the club record for scoring goals in consecutive games. Oh. Didn't he score in seven, seven consecutive games? Carl Airy. Carl Airy. You yep. wouldn't have probably wouldn't have mentioned him with great respect to Carl Airy in any of those categories individually. No. But a record like that, couldn't we do with somebody like that now? There you are. Uh, sometimes you wondered how they'd gone in. They went in off his shoulders, off yeah. his backside. Yeah. They bobbled in from yeah. three yards, but who cared? They That's went right. in. right, they went in. And um, uh, no, and he would get across the defender as well, yeah. no trouble. Uh, no, Carl Airy. Or another Airy. one who, who absolutely loved the whole crack of it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Didn't take things too seriously. Um, no, seven consecutive matches he scored in, which is, is, is a United a club record. Club record. Yeah, uh, played under Cyril Nels as well. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, all, well all, done. All him. Gary Hours has to do then is go out and sign a combination, a combination of yeah. Steve Cooper, Robin Stubbs, Rodney Jack, David Graham, and Dave Caldwell. Well, no Easy problem. enough, isn't it? Hey? They must grow on trees, players <laughs> like that. <laughs> so, well, that's our trip down memory lane for this week. Thank you for indulging us. There were, and the other thing that um, we thought, of, as we're, we're running way over on the clock now, but sending a centre-back up as a striker yes. has been done successfully. Well, it used to happen quite often, didn't it? Uh, it was a regular tactical move to send your centre-forward up, either for a short-term measure yeah. or, as United, I can remember them doing it, actually a centre-half deputising as a centre-forward for, for several games. Clint Bolton did ah, it, didn't he? now you're talking. Clint Bolton in the mid-70s, out-and-out uh, um, -out central defender, but not a bad athlete, very good in the air, yeah. um, uh, and quite fancied the odd tilt into the opposition penalty area. Moved him up front. United, I, I forget who was injured. It was somebody like John Fairbrother or somebody that was injured. Fairly early in the season, Doncaster Rovers away, score... Doncaster nil, Torquay four, Clint Bolton hat trick, <laughs> and and I I seem to remember that when Malcolm Musgrove, who was the manager, decided to dispense with this experiment and move Clint Bolton back into defence, he was outraged. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably heading for the top scorer. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, so um, yeah, uh, but you don't see that quite so no. often, do you? You see it in the last 10, 15 minutes of you game. You send somebody up, don't you? Just you for a set yeah, piece or two. Five minutes before you send the keeper up as yeah. well. But, but but it used to be quite a common yeah. thing, didn't it? You know, well, you sent the forwards out. Well, let's send send a half out and see what he makes of it. And I um, think I think we've done it more recently. I've got a feeling Mark Ellis did it. I've got a feeling Chris oh, Robertson yes. might have done it. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. Mark Ellis, he well, he he could always yeah. chip in with a goal, wasn't it? And and it was the whole business of fancying the business of actually heading against a centre-half who's trying to knock six bells yeah. out of you, as opposed to you doing it to somebody else at the yeah. other end. 
And, you see um, George Eshuman or Niate or Cameron getting out of them for 15 or 20 minutes yeah. up there. No, exactly. Um, yeah. But of course, you've got to sling the ball in the box. Yeah. It tends to be in the air, doesn't it? It's, uh, they're not going to make much of it if you try and drop it into the feet. Uh, uh, no, it's, it's, it's usually for when you're chasing a game, long, high balls, get the centre half on it. Right. There are a few things left for us to mop up before we leave you. Um, some less encouraging news on Jakob Sokolik, yeah, whose, whose um, injury is worse than we thought. Uh, well, I don't think it's worse than they thought. It's just that, that he's had a scan now and it's yeah. been confirmed that um, he, he's uh, um, knee ligament damage. He's going to be out for a month. Uh, I, I think United half expected that. Um, That's a shame, shame for him. Yeah, Absolutely, for him. no. He was yeah. just starting to get going, um, uh, uh, just as he was last season. Funnily enough, yeah. when he when he went down with some stomach problems, but he's over those now, and he's now, you know, picked up a knee injury, which is a great shame. Rory Keating is fine and will be fit for this Saturday. He's that's, over his um, good. little groin injury that kept him out at Slough. But there is a question mark over Johnny Cuenyate, who has picked up a bit of an ankle injury in training, and I think yeah. will be an anxious couple of days before. Um, United will know whether he's fit for the Hampton game on Saturday and Gloucester City away on Monday. Um, interestingly, uh, um, Gary Owes has solved that problem when Sokolik was originally out by moving Aza Hall into the back yeah. three. Now the big question mark is if Kuenyate is not fit for the weekend, will he go for that option and keep the 3-5-2 mm-hmm. or will he revert to a back four and change, yeah. the, change the formation? So. You know, both of those options are available. Um, if I had my money on it, I think I'd go for shifting Hall into the back yeah. back three and sticking with a three-five-two. But because um, he's we'll done see. it already, he knows it works. Asa yeah. Hall quite relishes it back there anyway. He played well at Oxford yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so um, you know, we'll see what. You know, it's a good job we're not picking the team. Isn't it, it is, isn't it? It's yeah. easy back here, isn't it? So Saturday we're at home to Hampton and Richmond. First yep. time we've played them again, isn't it? I think. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, they've got two real experienced old strikers, Chris Dixon, who played for quite a long time for Charlton, um, a lot of games up in the London area, and Craig Dundas, who who was ooh, seven or eight years at Sutton. Yeah. Uh, both thirty-something centre forwards. I'm sure they're full of tricks and know-how so um, it won't be a pushover and then Gloucester City away yeah. on Monday who play at Evesham of course yeah the things we know about Hampton and Richmond just before we go they're known as the Beavers yeah, they are because the stadium's known as the Beverly the Beverie, or the Beverie. Yeah. Uh, the away fans are known as the Beaver Patrol so Lovely. if you want to greet them on right. Saturday they're known as the Beaver Patrol most famous fan Alan Simpson of Galton and Simpson oh, fame right. yeah, the yeah, yeah, writers yeah. of Steptoe and the late yeah. Alan Simpson he was the president of the club for nearly 50 years and there's a stand named after him at the Beavery and one of their players is this chap called Santiago Cabrera and years gone by he's not there anymore but he's quite a famous actor you'll have seen him in Merlin and the Three Musketeers and he thinks that he's a Venezuelan chap He's quite a famous actor, and he and played play football for, for Hampton and Richmond. Well, that exhausts my knowledge gleaned from a couple of minutes on Wikipedia. <laughs> so, I'm surprised yeah. in this day, Walter, you, you even found a second to do it. Uh, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for your time. This has been the Herald Express Devon Live Talking United Yellow Army podcast. We're setting new records, and so are you if you've stuck with us for this long. We hope we haven't sent Yorkshire Gold to sleep, and we hope that Hayden's finished uh, trimming the hedge. And we're both getting ready for the avalanche of people contacting us and saying, you forgot so-and-so. So-and-so, yes, (laughs) and you're late. So uh, apologies for lateness, but it's just been one of those days. Thank you very much. We'll see you on Saturday at Playmore. And come on, you yellows. yellows.